I'm Paul Comfort, and on this episode of Transit Unplugged, we travel to the home of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee, where Graceland, Elvis's home is, and Sun Records, Johnny Cash, and others got their start. It's also the home of the Memphis Area Transit Authority, and today we speak to its CEO, Gary Rosenfeld. Gary tells us about his career, how he got his start in transit as a bus driver because he wanted to get free parking, and uh, how then he weaved his way through the industry and ended up as head of a uh, transit system at a federal parkland, and part of his fleet there included mules. We talk about Memphis Area Transit Authority's recent re-edition of their historic trolleys downtown and where they're going in transit in the Memphis area. All that on this edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort with Transit Unplugged, and today I'm in Memphis, Tennessee with Gary Rosenfeld, the Chief Executive Officer of the Memphis Area Transit Authority. Gary, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Welcome to Memphis. Yeah, this has been great. Gary just took me on a tour around his facility here. Normally, I like to kick it off with uh, a little bit about the career. People are interested in knowing, you know, how did you end up as CEO of a transit authority? And you and I have known each other for probably over 20 years. Tell us a little about your career in transit and how you ended up here. Sure, Paul. I started in transportation when I was going to school at Cal State Northridge because bus drivers got preferred parking. And, <laughs> and as every university student will, will attest to, preferred parking is real important. So I had a job as a part-time school bus driver and I, while I was going to school and worked my way through that organization and eventually migrated into the transit industry. But it all started by looking for free parking. That's what I was able to find. I did work my way up through the ranks in, in the transportation industry, becoming you know dispatcher and supervisor and trainer, and specialized more into the finance area as as I completed my education. And then I've uh, primarily been uh, numbers driven, director of operations type individual that can step in and 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 add value to an organization through through my experience. Prior to coming to Memphis, I was at Yosemite National Park running the transportation system there for the visitor systems and uh, spent 15 years there uh, out in the wilderness, and it was a a great thing. Most people don't view national park-type situation in that vein, but we were a small community of 2,000 people that grew to over 50,000 people on a daily basis. Mm. So we had the clearly had big city issues with small city resources, so it was uh, always an interesting— So you work for the uh, National Park Service, but— I work for a concession company, yes. which managed the transit system for the National Park Service. Now, tell us about the diversity of your, quote, fleet. In addition to buses, you also had mules? Yeah, the, <laughs> the fleet in, in the Yosemite transit, transportation system has a historic brand. And it, in, uh, at the time, we had um, mules that were available for rides, for guests to ride. And also, they supported the, the operations in the High Sierra camps of, of Yosemite National Park. So uh, uh, our our guest recreation uh, unit uh, managed that and uh, managed the, the the mule trains going in and out of the High Sierras, managed the movement of food and other provisions that that had to go up into the High Sierras during the summertime. It was exciting. Yeah, yeah. Some of our best long term employees uh, were mules. Uh. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, <laughs> most people don't realize a mule has a life, you know, greater than thirty years. So they would work for us, you know, they'd come in every every full career and work, you know, do their job. And at the end of the summer, they were look, looking forward to going out to pasture. They would go out, but we we had mules that, that were on the payroll for 25, 30 years. You and I both worked for a company called Laidlaw back in the day. What did you do for them? At Laidlaw, I was responsible for financial reporting for the public transportation group. Also did a lot of business development in uh, transit operations work. Yeah. And here at MATA, you, is that how you say it, MATA? MATA, right? yes. Because yeah, uh-huh. some people have said MATA, and I think, no, it's MATA. <laughs> uh, so you started out here as the chief administrative officer, is that right? Yes, I came here uh, two and a half years ago as the chief administrative officer and then stepped into the role of chief executive officer about a year later. All right. And so uh, tell us about the Memphis Area Transit Authority. Memphis is a phenomenal city. As you know, I, uh, every time I come here, I like to get, you know, it's known for Elvis, right? And, and it's uh, Elvis week. That's right. You, you came yeah. at the right time, Paul. And Sun Records, which I got to tour, which is where it all started from my man, Johnny Cash, and really the start of rock and roll in America, right here out of Memphis. Right here in Memphis. So tell us about the city some, the area, and about your transit system. Well, our transit system here transports about 24,000 people on a daily basis, a little over 8 million rides a year. We are multimodal. We have a heritage trolley system that runs in the downtown area, uh, steel wheel trolleys. We also have uh, our fixed route system and demand response paratransit service. The city footprint is about 325 roughly square miles, which presents its own issues. So it's a big city with limited resources, which makes delivering high quality service you know, difficult. But nonetheless, we recognize what, what our goals and objectives are, and we're striving to, to, to meet those. So uh, 24,000 people a day on about 150 buses, and uh, we transit and plays a role, an important role here, because Memphis is, has one of the highest poverty rates in the country in terms of uh, communities over uh, MSA over a million people. And certainly one of the ways of combating poverty is to give people opportunities to get to good jobs and good opportunities themselves. And public transit certainly uh, pl- plays a role in that. So it's an important uh, feature to help alleviate some of the the pain that, you know, that, that so much of our community suffers. And tell us about your governance structure. How is this uh, operation governed and how is it financed? Sure. There's a nine-member uh, board of commissioners that governs the, the transit authority. Uh, each one of the members is appointed by the mayor of the city of Memphis. Today, in the future, if other funding agencies want to participate in in our in our adventure, then they they can they can uh, uh, seek a, a, a board seat as well. But nine member board selected by the mayor of Memphis. The mayor of Memphis also selects the board chairman, and then the board board itself selects its vice chairman and other officers. So it works out uh, very well. Our funding comes from uh, the, the usual federal sources for transit, as well as uh, supporting state money for transit from Tennessee, from, from the state of Tennessee, and then uh, local money. About about fifty one percent is is local money uh, coming straight from the city of Memphis, and that's part of their annual budget appropriation. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Very good. And then 
So you don't have any like sales tax or millage or anything like that? No. The recent law changes here in the state of Tennessee will allow us to approach the voters in the future. A year before this last year, the IMPROVE Act in the state of Tennessee enabled public transit agencies, there are about 11 of them in the state that qualify, that can go to the voters and, and seek a sales tax surcharge, if you will, to fund public transit. That was done at the same time that they increased the fuel taxes here in the state to try to address some of the back the backfall on uh, capital projects on roads and, and bridges and other infrastructure projects. Very good. And what is your annual budget for your annual operating budget here? The total budget here is about $62 million. $62 million. Okay, great. And employee count, I don't think you talked about that yet. Yeah, we have uh, uh, roughly 485 very dedicated employees to the program. About 300 and 300 or so are actual bus operators at, at various levels, whether it be fixed route or paratransit or the trolley operators. Another 100 in our maintenance department and then an administrative team, which includes planning, scheduling, and the overhead of about 100 people. Very good. Yeah, I was impressed with the uh, camaraderie and kind of the esprit de corps of your employees as I walked around and everybody's upbeat, you know, talking to each other. You have a great, very knowledgeable team in your operations control center. Got a good, the good solid basics here to run a great transit system. What are your goals for the system? What do you see near term, midterm, long term for matter? Well, you know, we explain our system to our community that we provide rides in our area. We're not yet providing good transit, and we recognize that. In order for us to provide good or even great transit, we're going to have to increase the frequency of the delivery of service. There's no getting around it. We go to too much of our community once every two hours, maybe, and and go through the area and pick up whoever's waiting. You can't rely on that bus like that to get to a job or get to school or get to the doctor, get to the grocery store, anything else. So we recognize where the shortfalls are and we need to fund, we need to increase our level of funding so that we can deliver a frequency of service that will enable people to take advantage of transportation, utilize transportation to take advantage of other opportunities in our community. Very good. Um, And do you have plans in place to, I mean, are you working internally on the culture here or are you, you know, do you have game plan for route yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody in the country is redoing their bus routes. Sure, yeah. sure. We've we've uh, we've been working with uh, the national renowned uh, and very popular Jarrett Walker. Yeah, okay. my buddy Jarrett. Re- redesigning uh, the system here, and he and his team have been here uh, uh, through this last year to help us design and develop what the system should look like, and and we're in the process of of rolling that out to the community. About a year ago, the city of Memphis decided, and properly so, that it was important to redo the comprehensive land use plan of the, of the, of the area. It's first uh, comprehensive plan in 30 years. As part of that process, transit quickly became an issue within the community. The community outreach for the comprehensive plan asked all sections, all the different areas of the city, what was important, and transit quickly rose to a a high-level issue, which the city made the decision at that point that we would do a transit vision plan to lay over the comprehensive plan. So now we had identified land use that, you know, this area of the city is going to be residential, this is going to be commercial, this is going to be industrial, whatever the, whatever that plan is. And now we could lay a transit plan or transit vision over that plan to meet the needs of those given areas. So we could connect residential areas with business centers. We could connect um, business centers with opportunities for employees, for recreation, for work, for play, 
for school. Once we are able to do that, then we are in the process of developing an ask for the community, and then we will de determine uh, how to finance that, whether it be another uh, uh, either increased funding coming from uh, our current stakeholder, or if we add additional stakeholders, or if we go directly to the voters and ask them to approve a, a sales tax surcharge. That's great. So you're putting together the plan, figure out how much it costs, and then... Yeah, come up with the money. It's about yeah. We we sort of know. Uh, beginning of last year, we were kicking around about a thirty million dollar number, but now it's looking more. You know, again, we're a year later. It's right. now it's looking a little bit more like thirty five million. And hopefully, before we get too far down the road here, we're we're, we're going to be able to nail that number exact and and be able to make that ask. And that way, we're less dependent on the financial condition of our stakeholders, and we're more able to plan and develop our, our future services on the basis of the health of the economy. If our community is doing well and they're spending well, then then we would you know certainly be in a much better position in the, in the future. But also by changing the, the avenues of funding for the organization, it enables us to take advantage of other aspects of state law that would enable future growth in, in, in opportunities in the form of bonding, in the form of other financial instruments instruments that become available to a regional transit organization. And, and do you see expanding the modes of transit that you have here beyond bus and paratransit and your trolley system as part of that? There's always demand to, or you know, I shouldn't say demand, but inquiry as, yes. to, as to what else we could do. I believe that, that the future of MADA, uh, you know, which is an acronym for the Memphis Area Transit Authority, needs to somehow incorporate mobility into that name. A good transit authority today must embrace mobility as its key um, mission or goal uh, and address the mobility needs, not just from the, the fixed route or, or dedicated service that we offer, but incorporating the first last mile issues and the other new technologies that, that are, are making themselves available. Here in Memphis, we have bike share, we have bird scooters, we have shared network services and all mm -hmm. of those things. And each one of those tools play a role, but not the role. Right. And I think it's important for transit authorities and transit companies across the country to recognize their position of leadership, if you will, that they should take that, welcome the opportunity to provide their community with the leadership and embrace all those different services. If we embrace them, it gives us the opportunity to, to shape them a little bit more. And since our, our public managers have a tendency to be more community-minded in the overall sense rather than a narrow sense of, well, you know, we're just going to do shared network service or bike share or whatever. All of these different tools play a role in the mobility. And you choosing to use a bicycle will have an effect on the paratransit customer who doesn't have the opportunity to use the bicycle. And it's not a single individual focus. It has to be a community focus on how we're going to move the community forward in a, in a given direction. That's great. So you see the role of the transit authority being a mobility integrator, so to speak, with public and private sector providers of mobility. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. I laugh you know, to myself often when, when I hear the private sector folks come at, come at me when they don't know my background having been in the private. Oh, we can do it cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, well, you know, I know those I know those formulas and right, yeah. and and there's nothing in the there's nothing in the rule book that says that even the public sector can't 
you know, compete directly with those types of services and the delivery of those types of services. And in most cases, we will be just as cost effective, depending on how you slice and dice a number is, is a, in the, right. you know, the way you tell the story, but the overall program cost is still the overall program cost. And uh, our goal, my goal, my personal goal, is to be as efficient as possible. I take my role as a, as a custodian of, of, of public funds very seriously. I don't want to waste any money. I don't want to see any, uh, but I also want to expand the uh, opportunity of providing services to our community. So yes, we do need more money. We need to spend it wisely. We need to, when we have the opportunity to spend it, it needs to be done quickly, quietly, and efficiently and, and provide a high quality service to the customer standing on the street. That's great. You and I were just talking, we were walking around how the, our shared background in business development and the private sector, I think, helped prepare us for the public sector operations-wise in that when we were putting together bids to run city transit systems, we had to break apart, you had to break apart as a business development guy, every piece of every cost. So we would price out how much, uh, how many cents per mile do we propose? Do we think it's going to cost for tires? Right. Not just one year, but two and three years out. Right. And we had to take those numbers based on the experience of other transit systems that we were familiar with. Everything from figuring out the total costs of salaries and benefits to all the operating costs. So you having that financial background, I'm sure it has been very beneficial for you as you come in and try to make this agency as efficient as it can be. Sure. Goals and objectives in the different sectors of, of our economy are different. In the past, there's never really been a big push for the public sector to have their finger on that pulse, if you will. But that's all changing. All of our stakeholders are asking us to be way more efficient in the way we manage and handle money. And I'm not trying to say that anything was being done wrong in the past. It's just it's a different focus today. So it is important that we look at the cost of uh, something as simple as tires yeah. oh, and see what can we do to have an effect on a, a cost as simple as tires. Right. Or tell or, us about or, the batteries. Or, or, or you, you just were telling me about how you've improved the battery management yeah. program. We, had a, we, we had a program here that did not properly maintain batteries. For so, the buses, bus so batteries. The bus batteries. Yeah. So, the, so the usage was extraordinarily high. Well, all of a sudden, when you come in and you say, hey, this usage compared to this other organization that I'm familiar with seems really high, you, you have a problem there. Better example, Paul, might be the, you know, the story I was sharing with you earlier about steel wheels on, on a vehicle. The buses here were, were purchased in the past and they had steel wheels. Steel wheels on a fleet, a big fixed route bus, can add a thousand pounds to the weight of the vehicle. A thousand pounds can lower your fuel economy by a tenth, maybe um, two tenths of a, of a mile per gallon. That's seven, eight thousand gallons over the life of the vehicle. At two dollars a gallon, that's 14 to 16. A hundred and forty to one hundred and sixty thousand dollar increase in cost over the life of the vehicle, but if you don't have the exposure to look at those types of things to bring together those types of KPI uh, uh, reviews, now all of a sudden you're not you're, you're making good decisions, but it's it, it's providing you maybe with the lowest cost, but it's not providing you with the best value. Mm. And we as public managers today need to incorporate the value statement in how, in how we make decisions. I've said it to my team here and, and I've shared with you, you know, I would much rather buy nine buses that are properly equipped than 10 buses that aren't. 
because we, by having them properly equipped, we better serve the public. And the public's expectations are not going down, just the opposite. They're going up. They expect us to be on time. They expect us to provide services on board the vehicle that, that you know, five or 10 years ago, we never would have thought of. And we also have to be prepared for the services five or 10 years from now that we don't even know exist yet today. So it, the mindset of the transit manager today really has to balance the past with the present and really with one and one and a half eyes looking towards the future. Talking about looking at the future, and that is great what you just mentioned about the costs and and managing them, but now looking at what's happening coming for the future. So last night we were looking outside our hotel and we saw all these people riding around on scooters. And, uh, you know, it seemed like just a year ago, the biggest thing was going to be bikes bike share. But now suddenly a flock of birds has, or or a nest of birds has descended on yours and many other cities. I haven't had a chance to talk to any CEOs about that yet. Tell us about your experience with that and what's going on there. Again, this is another one of those technological advances that presents itself as, and, and if you view it as, as an opportunity, you can make the best of it. The bird scooters are here in Memphis. We're, we're, we're happy to have them here, and we work really hard to make their introduction uh, favorable to our community. They do provide an alternative form of transportation for, for that first and last mile, and also for that trip that somebody might not get on a transit bus or, or anything else. In our downtown mall area, it's a long walking mall. People don't typically get on our trolley to ride from one end of the mall to the other, especially if they want to get off in the middle. Right. So, so going from the hotel to the pizza store that's down the street might be a, a scooter trip as, as compared to a trolley ride. And we just have to embrace those new technologies and encourage people to develop them. The thing about it is, is if we, again, as I said before, if we embrace them and figure out ways to make it successful, we can reap that success into our overall mobility plan for communities. If we just throw up our hands and say, oh, we want nothing to do with it, then all it's going to be is conflict. And, and that does not bode well for communities. So, yeah, the birds are here. They're doing quite well from what I understand. We were able to quickly put a program together in less than two weeks for a relationship between the company that provides the service and the city, uh, come up with an agreement where you know there is a, a, a payment to the city, which is good, uh, helps offset some other costs, and a, a general working together relationship with the local team to make sure that you know our standards are, are being met and and that the that there's not clutter on our streets or or any of the other issues that some communities have had. Mm, yeah. Another thing that that, that Paul you mentioned you know in the downtown area, we've reintroduced our our heritage trolley system. Yes, let's talk about so that. So as we as we are embracing new technology in the bird scooters, right. we also are embracing 100-year-old technology in our heritage <laughs> trolley system. So very exciting time here in Memphis. We uh, our, our trolleys were taken out of service a few years back. for We had some electrical issues, caused uh, some problems. But uh, a completely redesigned and reinvigorated system, uh, new completely refurbished trolley cars. It is quite an exciting process to go through the refurbishment of a 100-year-old trolley car with and trying to integrate as much new technology in it as we possibly can, yet maintaining its heritage status. 
So we've been able to do that. We've got four cars running, big fanfare and welcome uh, by the city uh, when we brought the, the cars back into service. And uh, the Main Street line is on, on en route to uh, transporting about 800,000 passengers on four cars in, during its first year of service. Wow. So we're, we're really real fit, exciting. Yeah, they fit the character of Memphis. They do. They yeah. do. They've been, you know, back in the 40s, 1940s, uh, the streetcar system here in Memphis was huge. I saw pictures at, of it downstairs. As it, as it as it is as it was in many communities across the country. Yeah. But it was great in the 1940s. Uh, the Memphis Area Transit Authority, in conjunction with its streetcars, had over 80 million boardings a year. Wow. And uh, today, we, you know, we're at eight million borings, and yeah. we think we're real uh, happy about that. Well, we're going to grow back, but the the notion of public transit in any community is there. Mm-hmm. People have a desire to have a good public transit system. With recognizing our history and with an eye towards the future, we will blend those two things together and, and have a great transit system here in Memphis. And if you think about it, Paul, if you go anywhere in the world. Every great city around the world has great transit. It's the truth. There, there really isn't one that I can think of that doesn't have a great transit system. And if, whether or not it be in far-off places of the world or just look in the United States, you've got New York, Washington, Philadelphia, you know, Wash, uh, Chicago, uh, Chicago mm-hmm. you've got Dallas, you've got Phoenix, you've got Los Angeles growing their system back, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, yeah. San Francisco Denver, the, 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 the investment yeah. and the overall success that transit brought to the city of Denver, for example, is huge. And as communities embrace these opportunities, they will share in that same level of growth. Because the beauty of it is, is it's not competition. It really isn't. It's just more. And uh, by uh, investing in public transit, communities can really reap a a very, very good return on its investment and uh, spur a ton of economic activity. Mm, That's great. So for the future of transit here in Memphis, you see yourself kind of upgrading the routes to serve people, upgrading your frequency, adding some more of those uh, vintage streetcars that go out to, if you haven't been to Memphis, you've got to go to Beale Street and see the downtown area. It's just, it's it's a great city. And you've got, what, the the world's fifth largest pyramid out here too? Or so. Yeah. Well, actually, it's the world's largest Bass Pro Shop at yeah. the pyramid in, right. in, in Memphis. And it it is a beautiful facility and, and everybody should just go there to see what's inside there uh, and spend money. But yeah, music entertainment capital of the world is right here in, in, yeah. in Memphis. And if you like music, then there's We've got something for you here, regardless of what kind of music you like. But tourism plays a big part. About half the ridership on our trolley system is tourism. When we get all the lines running, we'll probably be running close to 3 million passengers on our trolley system, and roughly half will be tourists. The other half will be you know, people going back and forth to work, going to school, going to recreate and enjoy their community, which we encourage and we want to see that continue. Also for the future, you know, as, as, uh, as economic uh, activity increases, we will see the opportunities and requests for future services, expansion of those trolley lines, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, uh, there's already plenty of interest. You just have to wait to, to back up the interest with the numbers and make it work. The route structure needs to be improved. We've got that plan ready. We've got the frequency plan ready. So once we are able to figure out exactly the 
the appropriate and proper way to fund this type of additional service, we'll, we'll roll it out to the community and it'll be there. And when we do that, that'll truly be a renaissance of public transit in Memphis. Very good. Well, I think they got the right guy here to run it. Somebody who really knows the nuts and bolts, but also has a vision. Thank you. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Thanks, Paul. It's great to, to have you here and welcome to Memphis. Thank you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.